Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of pre-med at UT, the show of Nana's, the show of San Antonio. That's right. This is the second episode this week at Show to Be, highlighting some of the brilliant masterminds behind the San Antonio cocktail scene. First, Jarrett Pena on Monday, and now what I would, and I hope many of us would consider the queen of the San Antonio cocktail scene, Elizabeth Forsyth. You can see her down there at Barbara, but she's been at Blue Box. She's been at the Monterey. We talk about a lot of things, and it's especially timely given that the Speed Rack finals were just facilitated in New York days ago. And Elizabeth has a very insightful and a very meaningful relationship with Speed Rack, and she talks about that just a bit. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Elizabeth Forsyth. at all i think it's very easy still in most bars and most cities it's very easy for you know a decent looking female to just walk into a sports bar and land a job and be able to you know walk out with way more money than what we make doing craft and that's just mathematics i mean if you think how many time how long does it take to open seven miller lights and charge someone for it versus (laughs) like how many times how long does it take to make uh, seven old fashions, you're still right. getting a dollar tip on each drink. Yeah, you know? that's true. <laughs> and you can't—I mean, you can't shake a, a no. Miller Lite. You know, it'll just go everywhere. So you're right. <laughs> I never even—I never even thought about that—that that part of it. Right. That not only are they making there are more transactions because they're quicker, but you make more money per transaction that you're busting through. Well, and I mean, really, I—I I love bars like that, and I love times working at that. You know, you really get that opportunity to connect to your regulars. And yeah. so I kind of try to bridge the, you know, bring that same kind of hospitality. You know, we might be doing cocktails, but like you better look up when people walk to the <laughs> bar, get your head out of that drink yeah, and yeah. look up. It's a strange, it, it's an interesting blend because there's it's just as much detail and uh, the logistics as it is the soft skills, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I don't, I mean, I can't speak firsthand except for events I do that are non-licensed events, right? Because if you distill, you can't, can't, can't make drinks in public. But there are some people that are just so good at both. But then there are some people that are just about in being in their head, mm. you know? Do you, so when you are hiring people, male or female, I shouldn't even have to use that caveat, but you want somebody that's able to do both of those things, think and talk, right? Yeah, I I mean, you, I expect a lot. I mean, the Hajjoy's bar program is pretty simple and easy. We just wanted it to kind of be like punchy drinks that go with, you know, all the spicy, salty food. Right. And, you know. Um, and all that fish sauce. Yeah, so, I mean, I you know, I do a lot of, we have a little less prep here, actually a lot less prep here. Um, uh, you know, I, I like to use things uh, that we can bring in, like, you know, crab fat caramel to bitter our kind of household fashion oh, yeah. concept. and. 
uh, purple yam paste in oh nice in, instead of the sugar in a in sort of a daiquiri build yeah um, oh wow uh, here so um, you know I, I I try to do that as much as possible here we're about to do a yogurt soju on the menu so oh uh, nice. know, easy easy stuff um, Barbaro on the other hand is extremely labor intensive and prep intensive and yeah. also we're open for lunch every day oh okay. so the bartenders that work during the day there they have to prep and work the day shift Jeez. and i expect a lot out of them so really oh that's a huge thing that i look for is someone that just really is can commit to that kind of uh, effort because some people yeah. they just want to come in and make drinks and that's fine you can get a job like that mm. but that's not what we do you they, know? do they not want to be set to some kind of template and have to follow a order of operations and things? Is that kind of what it is? or? Um, no, I think it's... I think it just can overwhelm people yeah. that don't have a background in... Yeah, I mean, it's making syrups. It's not anything that's that difficult. I think the hardest thing that we probably do there is um, the ginger beer, but just that's because the amount of volume that we go through. Right, right. Um, the tonics pretty difficult uh, um i just there's a lot we have uh, all the syrups are house made mm. we do um you know uh i think 22 different syrups on this particular menu and you know that's we because we do also like a soda fountain kind of uh non-alcoholic section on the menu oh, okay okay the impotent potables a lot of impotent <laughs> potables you guys do a lot of amarius too there uh, we, I, you know, I have a teensy weensy back bar at Barbaro, oh, okay, okay. so I fit as many Amari on my shelf as possible because I just love them, and I think it just fits. You With know, the cuisine, we do, right? Yeah. We do pizzas and, um, you know, cool small plates and things like that. So, um, but um, I, you know, so we do a lot of uh, just prep involved with, you know, just to get through the day to day. Right. Um, th- you really have to be in for that too. It's not just about showing up, making the drinks, and mm-hmm. you know, get, getting to be a bartender. I think as people well, impressed like, with that term anymore. When when someone says, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" I'm a I'm a cocktail, I'm a mixologist. Is that oh, like a? You know what? This is actually funny because so <laughs> I worked at Thundercloud Subs. Um, Every good, I swear to God, so many people in this industry right? have started there. I worked at number two on Riverside in Congress in Austin. Oh, no shit. Yeah, for like, well, I was going to UT for like a year, and uh, it was hilarious and great, and I loved working there. But um, <laughs> we used to joke about the sandwich artist thing, the sandwich right? Artist, yeah. And so it was sort of just like running joke that we made fun of with the, you know, sandwich artist thing. So whenever I became a bartender... Um, you know, we, a few of us were sitting around joking one day and I mean, I started bartending when I was like 20. So this was like, I was, this had to be like in 2000, 2001. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, joking kind of about how people ask like, you know, what else do you do? Like, what's your regular job? (laughs) You know, do you go to school? Right. Assuming that like somehow it's not being a bartender is a transitional, like a transient job, not an actual, you know, skill or, or. And it's kind of like a journeyman, you know, kind right, of right. the game now. But um, they have, uh, you know, and so we were joking around one day about, you know, 
jerks that would ask that kind of a question. And um, and I made a comment. I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm a mixologist. <laughs> and so then like years, years later when, I mean, I was just plugging away, picking up work at this bar and that bar. Um, and I heard about the, like, the craft cocktail movement mm. and the term mixologist. And I about died. It was... <laughs> It was hilarious because that's actually a thing that we we were making fun of. People are calling themselves that now. <laughs> and then there's a show on ABC about yeah, it. Yeah, you know what? I kind of feel like, mm, I don't know. There's not really like a criteria of qualification. No. So to, to try West. to refer to it as, I mean, I guess like if you take into like what does what would mixology mean? The study of right, mixing, right, right, okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's like, I can't just like read a biology textbook and call myself a biologist. <laughs> that's not so, how it works in any other industry. And I mean, honestly, I kind of bristle at the fact that like, it's not good enough to call yourself a bartender. Yeah. Like, oh, pardon me. I'm fancy. I'm a mixologist. It I'm is not, kind of I'm shying not, away I'm not from that, I'm not just right? a meager bartender. No, no. There's not that meager you know. that, but you're totally right. Like people, maybe they're just uh, not proud of it, you know? Uh, well, I mean, I feel like that's a, it's a, it's the best job in the world. You get to make people happy for a living. Yeah. And more than that, really, like people go to bars for all different kinds of reasons, and it might just be like a day in their life. Mm -hmm. They're just waiting out traffic, catching sure. happy hour. You never know why. They might have just come from like a funeral. They might have just gotten engaged. They might have had a great divorced. promotion at work. Yeah. Just gotten divorced. <laughs> all of it. All the things. So you know, you have an honor and a privilege to be in on these moments in people's lives. And you know, I think when you can sort of realize, sort of where you fit in that picture yeah it's that's a beautiful thing that's you know yeah, i've been is. in on some great great moments in people's lives and you know they might forget you tomorrow but they might remember you forever that yeah. might you might have been really important to that person that you were there in that moment it is it's serendipity just all sprinkled around you know because yeah. you i think that in a sense you guys have the people behind the bar i'd say you guys have the luxury of being the therapist without revealing too much. Like you never really have to up the ante emotionally the way that the people across the bar do. Now, if it's but don't a you though? Well, I think that you should, and there should be empathy and exchange mm -hmm. of real honest moments. But I, I feel like a lot of people. I, I like the back and forth, but I think a lot of people go to a bar to just get something yeah. out there, yeah, just to vent it, to have yeah. this moment of catharsis. I think know? so. I think strangers too will tell you things that. Exactly. That, you know, might sort of, as the bartender, they'll tell you, but if you were just like a stranger on the street. Would not tell you, know? you right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I've definitely cried with strangers across the bar before. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because that is completely contradictory to, to what one might presume a bartender is or why they might shy away from being proud of that. And think of any other profession or think of any other situation in which a stranger will tell you everything, you know, and tell you these moments, like you said, they wouldn't mm -hmm. even tell their family. It's interesting. It's very, uh, what's the word, voyeuristic in a sense. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, if you look through history, like people drinking, you know, it's always been a social thing. And, sure. and, and I think that connects people. Um, I think, you know, you have a few drinks, you start feeling... Uh, a little more sherry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. sherry from the sherry. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you you open up to people and you kind of become this like exuberant version of yourself, yeah. whether it be 
exuberantly sad or exuberantly happy. Right. Some <laughs> Can you pull, even use some that as a, up or down? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I think that uh, when you kind of take that into account, you know, it's natural that, that people open up to you with yeah. a cup in their hand. Uh, and, and also, you know, I feel like mm, when someone comes up to your bar, they might be a complete stranger, but, you know, aren't you happy to see them? You know, yeah. you welcome them like you would welcome them to your home. Absolutely. Please sit. You want to, and this is another thing we spoke about, like things you look for. Hospitality is, in, is hugely key to me. And I think that's one of those things that's very hard to teach. And I get it from my mom. Like, she's the type that will, like, slave herself. For a, a you know, true to mother, put together like right? the Thanksgiving meal for, yeah, for yeah. everyone, and you know, um, and she, you know, is just like this like natural gracious host. But she came up in uh, restaurant management. Did she? Uh, yeah, she came up in the in the biz as well. Well, so you you but, mentioned uh, so you mentioned a little bit of about Austin. You obviously mentioned stuff about San Antonio. Let's take a step back and. Where did you grow up? Are you from Texas? Or um, I'm originally actually from Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, okay. My family's still, I still have family out there. Um, and I love that town. I love to go visit. They have such a great little, co- well, I say I, little. It's not I so it's little. it's pretty big, right? They've got a great cocktail scene. I went there, probably one of the favorite bars I've ever visited mm-hmm. in my travels, you know, over the last few years uh, in this industry. And especially after getting involved. Uh, with speed rack right i think you know um i my one of my top three bars i've ever been to and of course there's so many i haven't been to so qualify that but is manifesto in kansas city Mm. they had when i went i enjoyed several cocktails and they it was just well well done beautifully done yeah um balance not overdone you know that was with restraint and I, I thought it was really lovely it had a great like vibe it had this speakeasy thing which i kind of roll my eyes at these days because it's like come on guys drinking is legal <laughs> yeah. but um but it, it, it they pulled it off really well i didn't like i didn't feel like you know knocking on a trash can and ordering a negroni outside as uh, <laughs> <laughs> as it were it was you know i got instructions how to get in it, they did it really well i felt like they made it seem, you know, hidden, but not exclusive. Yeah, which was awesome. That's really, really. You just kind of go in through the back kitchen door. I, I think there's also another because um, there in I believe the Rieger is what the hotel is called. Mm-hmm. But that you can go in through the hotel also. I think, but of course I went through the alleyway. <laughs> I had to see what that was about. Yeah, which um, I think is always good. You get the, the smells that start to waft, and you kind of like what am yeah, I? Yeah, no, like into? really, literally, like one of the guys from the kitchen comes and like you buzz, and they like come to the kitchen door and let you in. Like the back, you're yeah, good fellas. How like oh, yeah. how he comes in, how he comes <laughs> in through the back, You're like hey yeah. Henry, and he goes and does that whole door. Yeah, so they yeah, and it's they they do they I think they do it really well. Um, but I I actually want uh, can't wait to go during their cocktail week. Uh, oh, they have a cocktail week too. Yeah, Paris on the Plains. No shit. Yeah, they when is do that one. normally? What time of year? Oh, I gosh, I don't even know. Yeah, I'm curious. I've been I've been wanting to go for the past couple of years now, and just have never been able to make it work. Yeah. But, um, but you, so you grew up there. How are the P- I from everything I've I've only drove through mm-hmm. Kansas City. Is it in the, is Kansas City specific or St. St. Louis? Uh, I Kansas City. Kansas yeah. City. Right uh, I was in Kansas City, in Missouri, where is you know where it's where I live. It's you know it's like a. Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, yeah, Missouri. They like God, it's so hard, just man. separated by you know state yeah. line essentially. So, um, 
But, you know, if you're from the Missouri side, you're definitely like, I'm from the Missouri side. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you're from Austin and it's like, oh, so you, yeah. you go to Dallas a lot? Like, no, from <laughs> no. Austin. God yeah. yeah. How, thing, how is San it gr- growing up? Did, so um, when did, I lived there when I was small. Um, yeah. And I have so many awesome memories. Of course, they get the four seasons. You get the summertime. You get... Um, you know the snow in the winter and you know i have a lot of great memories as a child but i've lived in san antonio really most of my life um i've been bartending 16 years now and this town has been my home for that that 16 wow the last 16 years yeah so when did when did you move out of kansas city then oh when i was a child oh uh, okay yeah a small child we moved to texas i was right around 5 years old um, was it for work, change of like, scenery? Or? You know, to say you're from a place when you live there so young. But I have memories till you know from when I was two on, and oh, really? like of you know the the you know snow in the winter and yeah. There's you know, st- I mean people may scoff at it, but there's shit you remember. You oh, can absolutely. Go way back and, you know, absolutely. And the family, I had, you know, I'm blessed with a beautiful family. So. Yeah. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I do. I'm in the middle of. Three girls, oh, and geez. then I also have five <laughs> stepsisters. Wow. Um, yes. So three girls and five stepsisters. Yeah, so, so my stepdad total. raised eight daughters. Good God. The poor no guy. sons. Yeah, I know. That's insane. Crazy. He, uh, God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he's great. So when you, when he's you. He's a jolly soul. What it, what it brought you to San Antonio then? Was it work? Did your parents move? I mean. Um, you know what? We moved. My mom opened a bakery franchise in Corpus Christi. Oh wow! Uh, where she had her sister lived, mm-hmm. and so we moved there. And um, she met my dad, and they got married. The she um, the it, the bakery was you know in like a shopping mall. So yeah. the shopping mall went under construction. They closed that wing, so they closed the bakery and. Um, so at that point, my mom, uh, moved to San Antonio with, uh, my dad, my stepdad, my dad, and, uh, and, you know, started their life here. He was working here already. Yeah. Uh, how did they, well, so how did they meet in Corpus then? So his, this is cute, right? His daughter worked for my mom at the bakery. No kidding. And she kind of set them up behind my mom's back. She's like, you have to meet this lady. So... My mom is a winker, and anyone who knows me knows it's like a habit I can't a control. Winker. I'm a winker also. What is, tell me what that means. Like, you wink at people. Uh-huh. Like, it's part of your, like, you know, repartee. Like, it, but is it is it to say, like, It's not yeah. necessarily flirtatious. It's just like it's a what's not, up? It's hey. just like you're playing with someone. You yeah. wink at them. You, like, make a joke. And, wow. you know. Oh, yeah. And I don't even realize I'm doing it until someone, like, <laughs> will comment on it. Did you just wink at me? But it's, yeah, no, exactly. But my I get it from my mom. She's a notorious winker. So. Huh. She evidently, when they met, he came in and ordered something, or I don't know, he came in and did something. Yeah. And supposedly she winked at him, <laughs> according to him. Well, if you ask my mom, she's like, I did not wink at him. <laughs> but if it's so involuntary, who knows? She, I'm sure she did. Yeah. She winks at everything. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, then, you know, they started he dating. sent her flowers. He, it was oh, all romantic. Man. They dated for two weeks, before, and then they got married. That's amazing. And they've been married for... Like a million years now. That's so. Good. That's brilliant because you don't. It's beautiful, right? You yeah, know, I get. I lose. Percent. I don't pers. I haven't personally lost hope, but things around us yeah. will just kind of influence and make us think think that either love is dead or chivalry is dead. Tell me about you it. Know? 
You know, um, my mom, though, she has the patience of a saint. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, eight girls, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. Uh, you know what? They're, they're older, though. They, are they? My uh, stepsisters are all these, like, s- extremely tall, like, Amazonian, oh, really? gorgeous women. Yeah. And uh, they, they're they, a little older than us. So they were already grown when when um, when my parents got married. So, yeah. You know, they were. Were they out of the house they, my, You know, the, my mom wasn't really involved in, you know, raising them. Of course, yeah. she loves them and everything like right, that. But, right. you know, uh, but she didn't get the... We didn't have like the Brady Bunch House of Eight or anything like that. There's no Greg and there's no Peter. No, just a bunch nope, of yeah, Marsha. bunch of Marsha, Marsha, Marshas. Did you well, growing up with, with all, I mean, it was it because you said were they probably what like in their late teens at that point then when you? Guys oh yeah, they were late teens and early twenties. So they already were going like, kind of red. Yeah, yeah, they were out of the college. house by then, and um, they would come and stay for a couple weeks here and there, yeah. visit and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you know, they were already grown on their own, making their own lives, and yeah. so that you know, it was always cool. But they're my stepdad's really tall. He's, um, and my mom's like my size, like five, almost five five. You know? Oh wow! And um, his all, he's got those out of his five uh, daughters uh-huh. from a previous marriage. I think three of them are six footers. Jeez! I mean, they are tall, That's crazy. like beautiful women. And then the other two are like five nine, five ten. I mean, they're, yeah. they're oh, also tall, tall as well. Yeah. yeah, they're like the short ones comparatively, oh, but they're like heads taller than that's me. When, how old were you then when you ended up moving to San Antonio? Did you say um, five? I, I moved here. I was in first grade. First so grade, yeah, okay. I was uh, five or six. Six, I started school late. Yeah. Why, why have, is that? Were you I have an October birthday. Oh, yeah. So I was always like the oldest kid in my grade. It's not so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad. Would it, did you graduate? No, we'll get to that. But I was, I was thinking, like, I knew some people that graduated when they're sixteen. Yeah, I, I went, I went to university when I was sixteen. Holy shit! Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's so. All right, we gotta get I to was that. Out that's, of there. That's. Psh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, but someone's like, hey, you want to go to college early? It's uh, you know, and not live in your parents' house when you're sixteen. That would, that would. You be know, good. I mean, you but know, what do you think? It's a lot of responsibility to have. I know. At 16. I, I probably was motivated for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I just wanted. Hence why I, I never graduated college, but <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, that's kind of like the story for a lot of people, but how is high? So San Antonio, you're seeing it in a whole different light than what I've seen it as kind of a recent visitor. Oh yeah. No, I grew up in it. Absolutely. Was it anywhere near the same city <laughs> back then? I mean, San Antonio is like so richly cultural. Yeah. Uh, richly cultured, I guess I should say. It has an amazing like music culture, especially yeah. like through you know history. It's got like a great like blues history. It's mm-hmm. got um, you know tons of art. Uh, that, I mean, it's one of the most historic cities in the country. Yeah, the art scene's really big here, um, and that's kind of always been that way. As an adult, you know, noticing things like that. Right. As a kid growing up, you know, you ride your bike to the baseball field. You know, yeah. you go to the Circle K and buy all the Jolly Ranchers you can get oh, with yeah. your allowance money. And, you know, Ner- like nerds that, for me, you know, yeah, that's, that's yeah. For me, it was Jolly Ranchers and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Would it, do you have a particular Jolly Rancher favorite? Oh, I, people are absolutely. aligned. Are you a green apple person? Or? No, ew. Sure. The, I, the only Jolly Rancher that's worth eating. Okay, wait. I will give you my three Jolly Ranchers okay, worth eating. Okay, yeah. Maybe two. Okay, no, three. <laughs> the cherry, sour cherry is hands down the best Your flavor favorite one? Okay. and anyone that says different is just see wrong it's like being from the confederacy that's how strongly mm-hmm. line that line is are. drawn yeah 
in the sand like the line at the Cherry, Alamo. All right, cherries are great. Cherries okay. Great. All right, okay. The fruit punch is pretty decent. I like the okay. fruit punch, yeah. Fruit punch is pretty decent. It's a good one. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. So the rest of them is just kind of... Yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, whatever. If you, if you hand me a grape Jolly Rancher, I'm going to throw it on the <laughs> ground. Forget it. It's so strange. There's I know. Idea. This is why, right? Because you can't just make something purple and call it grape flavored. This is true. It doesn't Even taste like grape at all. Well, no, grapes have a good flavor. None of that, but none of the purple grape stuff really tastes like grape at all. Anything like no. grape Kool-Aid or like tricks with the purple ones. It just doesn't really taste no, like grape. No, it just tastes purple. But until I knew better, that was grape. Yeah, well, you know. Grape Kool-Aid, grape. Yeah, when I did like, I, first, I don't even know why it is, but if it's something that's like artificially flavored like that, yeah. generally the red flavors. Are, are, and I, and I'm, I'm, that's the most common thing. Yeah. I don't really find, I don't think that. I think that's the majority of people. It's like they want the red flavor of candy or Kool-Aid or whatever. That's why there's big red, right? Yeah. It just tastes like red. Whatever big that red, red is. Big red tastes like bubble gum to me. I, I think so, too. Like strawberry bubble gum. I think really like cream. bubble gummy cream soda kind of flavor. But that's that's an ongoing debate. I'm not sure our generation will even be able to settle that. about. Oh, no red. way. No way. I, did that. I am in a rare minority in San Antonio. I am not a big red drinker. No. No. What do you drink? Or what did you drink? Um, if I have, I mean, soda for sure, Coca-Cola Classic. Oh, yeah, yeah. The only the best way to drink a Coca-Cola Classic out of an ice-cold can. A can. Can. Uh-huh. And that first sip. Uh, you know, you always got to get that life. first sip that, like, burns, you yeah. know? It mm-hmm. gets you right up the nose. Yeah. See, this makes me think of whiskey. But we, were, we, just weren't, <laughs> re- we weren't ready for it when we were kids, yeah. but we got prepared. For, <laughs> yeah. yeah. For vestments, right? Of the we still drank the burning drinks. Yes, we did. Okay. <laughs> Well, Speaking so of. Was, yeah, as you p- pull up the, the race year. <laughs> Which actually, you know, let's take a moment to chat about mm-hmm. this race year real quick. You you know, I always ask everybody because I want to bring a bottle. And they ask, is it bourbon or agave? Because I've got those two things. Got some rums and stuff like that. And so you're an agave person. And this is an exceptional, like, almost case study in distillation. Hey, don't pigeonhole me. No, I I'm asked in you everything. No, I'm, sure, I'm totally <laughs> no, sure. No, just totally kidding. Sure. But just for this, the scope of this no, chat, I you're got like, you, yeah. yeah, let's do agave. Like, I right, do love great. agave. But this is one I had you at the, actually at the Walk to Mexico event at the Monterey. Oh, okay. Yeah, that John put on this. I had never had a Racia before. Actually, no, I, I had had, but there's a black one that La Venenosa puts out. But this is the Sierra del Tigre, and it is made in Jalisco, and it is 46% ABV, which is insane because this is a single distillation yeah. in like wood clay combined. Mm-hmm. And it is the funkiest fucking thing I've, I've had, like agave-wise. It's it's good, right? It's mm-hmm. like punchy and bright and acidic, but the yeah. cheesy. It's got a creaminess to it. It's yeah. soft. It's not. Uh, it's uh, you almost would expect it to have more heat. Mm-hmm. Mm. Totally on its own. It's green, 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 green. There is. I don't think there's anything else that tastes like this. I mean, no, there are elements that there's stuff, but like that punchy bit you of get, acidity. Like the clay at the end, like on like. The lingering, yeah, ah, that's good. It's a thinker, thinking, thinking sip that's for really sure. Delicious. I'm glad. I'm glad we could share this yeah, one because this is one so I'd, I'd love to share. Because this is again like just a case study in distillation, like a single distillation to make it taste like that. Normally you're going through two, and mm-hmm. I was like, how did they even go from what is three to six percent in their ferment into forty six percent? He's like, it's the way that the 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 vapor will recondense in much large surface area in that particular still. But I'd love to go see it. And that was something that wow. Chris Maxwell from uh, Fortaleza brought and it's really really good imported in through New York but going back to things that 
pique our interest and tingle our palates. How mm-hmm. so? You finished high school early. So what kind of trouble were you getting into in high school? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I just was a super nerd. Yeah. You know, like uh, I I don't know. I feel like. What what would a I feel Friday like school light? school was very easy for me right. when before I got to the age where you had to study for school. Yeah. So I came up with this sort of idea of myself as being a super smart person and uh-huh. I you know how was on this path, you know. What was Everyone that was impressed with how smart I was when I was a we, child and gifted and talented and yeah. all A's all the time. I didn't get my first B until 6th grade and it was devastating. devastating. But that was the year that and it was in math, which oh, I love yeah. math. Yeah. Love math. So it was sort of um, the year that changed, you know, <laughs> you have to, that's at the age, you know, you have to like begin to study and do homework right, and things right. like that. And um, man, I was, uh, I, I, not good. You I was not, I was not good at that. I feel like I peaked too early. Oh, I'm really? Lazy. <laughs> do you think that the expectations too were set really high and you're like, oh man, all these eyes are on me because I'm the smart kid? It just never took effort before. Yeah. And so I didn't really take into account, you know, what that would mean for being in college. Mm. I was just like on a path and, you know, I wanted to be on my own and, you know, all this and that. And I feel like I really like squandered the educational opportunity that was there because <laughs> did you I mean, I went to class. I yeah, did, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I didn't like get kicked out or anything like that. Right. I just had a, you know, a 2.7 GPA and, you know. The lecture every semester. Oh man, we, we know you can do better. You know. <laughs> so, you, so in the two seven, is this in high school or when you went? That off? was uh, in college. No, in oh. high school I did all right. I mean, I was able to like do enough to squeak by. Yeah. And I mean, you well, know. What is, so the thing I think it's a good litmus for or a good indicator for what your social life was like. What is that thing you would do on a Friday night? Oh wow. Uh, you know what? Um, so I went to high school in Pleasanton. I don't know where that is. Which is like 40 miles south of here. And okay. it's like a country town, like oh, a rural no. town. That's like where they're having like all the the oil boom right now. Oh, the Eagle, okay. Okay. Eagle Ford and the shale, the shale drilling and all that. Yeah. So now the town's like kind of overrun. But it's, um, you know, it's a little town, eight 9,000 people. Mm. And everybody knew everybody and all it's the families, good. you know. And we were kind of newcomers to the town. And my parents were... Uh, were teachers in the junior high school. Um, oh man, did you ever have one of your parents as a teacher? No, they were actually uh, wonderful special education teachers. Oh, okay. And the only time that I would ever be in my parents' classroom during school was if I got in trouble for something. <laughs> so they it's, would just you know, march me right to my parents' room rather than the principal's office. So which that is was even great. worse, right? That was great. Just to take take the take the difficult layer mm-hmm. out of it. Principal yeah. knows just send them straight. So, I mean, I don't know. I just, I sort of was on a path. My older sister is like a genius, like a brilliant genius. Mm-hmm. And What industry is she in? She is in architecture. Ah, okay. Yeah, she's actually, um, yeah, she's great. And she, you know, she has twin girls uh, now. And, oh, yeah, okay. You know, so she's doing a lot of work out of the home and whatnot. But she, uh, you know, she went to at the University of North Texas in one of their early admittance programs. Uh-huh. And um, I try, I uh, kind of just had planned to go from, UNT. yeah, from like a young age on to also do that. 
and you know I just kind of in architecture as well. No, I went. I was a biology major. Oh, okay. I was pre med all the way. Oh, I was really? going to be a plastic surgeon. <laughs> really? Any particular part of the body that you wanted to? I wanted to do like corrective stuff. Like oh, the okay. idea of like sewing someone's finger back onto me is like the coolest <laughs> thing. Like it's off and then it's back on. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's like that's like legit Frankenstein stuff. Yeah. Uh, I love that idea. You know, cleft palates, things like that. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to do more like burn victims, things like uh, that, corrective surgeries rather yeah. than cosmetic stuff. Because um, I think I, I love art. I love to do like portraiture and things like that. Oh, really? And, Which, uh, what medium um, do you enjoy? I really, and this is, Anyone who's like a real like serious artist, because I only dabble, mm -hmm. you know, will will recognize this as being easy the easy answer. But I do I like to do soft pastels, like oh, the, really? the chalky ones, yeah, yeah, because they're so correctable and so blendable. You know, I've never really been a good painter at all. So but you pastel something with that texture uh, allows you. Yeah, I but the texture of it for me, I I just love it, and the colors are so lovely yeah, and blendable, and mm -hmm. uh, you know. Uh, so I, I really like to work with pastels, but I, it was just a way for me to sort of the linear, the love that I had for like the linear aspects of doing portraiture yeah. into like sort of the science it is, know, that's a world really that I like really love. It. It's like and I'm drawing so, the face, maybe I'm drawing it to scale, maybe I'm not drawing it to scale. And now the next step is to physically understand how it is and like take it apart and so it. And it's and really cool. It. Like you think of like drawing someone's face. It's like, well, I can't draw noses or whatever. And, yeah. You know, it's really just like, you know, it's like the golden triangle, uh -huh. you know, movie. It's like oh, you just yeah, like yeah, break yeah. it down into looking at like lines and angles. Yeah. And it was, I had a, my, an art teacher when I was very young, like seventh grade. And I was just first learning how to draw. Mm -hmm. And... um. She said something like really profound that really, and this is why I think people can be trained to draw. It's not like a talent you have or don't have. Really? Okay. Um, she said, draw what you see. Don't draw what you think it's supposed to look like. Just draw what oh, you see. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And it, all of a sudden it was like when you stare at one of those like hologram pictures, you uh -huh. know, and then all the schooner like starts coming your the way. Scooter. <laughs> it's why like, can't I see <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and so it was like that. Then it was like, okay, like, you know that the nose is this angle this line this curve you know yeah. and and all of a sudden it wasn't a nose it was just a bunch of geometry on someone's face Amazing, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so i could see how you could parlay that into the medical aspect yeah. of it right like a, a cut here cut here in a particular mm -hmm. way and then moving reassembling things yeah. in a particular way so yeah no i was stu i studied biology i ended up going to lamar university in beaumont for a similar like equivalent program but mm -hmm. i was just a nerd in high school like um like I went to algebra camp. Algebra yeah, camp. Yeah, go ahead and laugh. How everyone does. What? No. All right. So it's what do like you do in algebra camp? Where during the summer you like go live in a dorm for two weeks uh -huh. and learn algebra. But like, what do you do for fun at algebra camp? I mean, math problems. A. <laughs> what do you? Okay. Math what do you do fun. when I all the fun puzzles are done? <laughs> you guys at least tell like camp camp stories and stuff. We did. I think we went to. Um, an amusement park. Yeah. Which one is Astroworld? Which one's in Houston? Dallas or oh, Arlington? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Six Flags, Six maybe? Flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to Six Flags, I think. That's good. That's something. We got to, I don't know. It was like a two-week slumber party with a bunch of other nerds. Like, That's not so bad. It, was, it wasn't It was terrible. I was a nerd. I don't let, I'm not fooling anybody and I never yeah. have, but I was, wasn't math, though. It's always being a loner. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I was definitely a loner. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but I'm a big mama's girl too, so I, I get I got homesick. I, oh, you did know, you really? Yeah, for sure. For the algebra camp. Uh, during algebra camp, yeah. Algebra camp. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to remember that algebra camp. That's the first time I've heard Ugh, that one. I know. It's better than geometry camp though. It's better than band camp. Probably, probably. But I hear some crazy shit goes down in band camp. Some movie I don't about know. it. No, I don't. I don't think I know anyone who actually went to band camp. I don't either. I just. It's better. <laughs> I think I'd just rather be called algebra than band camp. When I <laughs> yeah. first started bartending was when American Pie was like been out for like a little while mm-hmm. and I had certain industry friends nickname me band camp and <laughs> now this, to it's, like, that it's, down. it's like this like visceral reaction anytime I hear the term band camp. Oh like, man. It's horrible. Hairs bristle. Yeah. <laughs> Grimacing, Damn huh? <laughs> well, so you you end up going to Beaumont, you said for a little bit, and then yeah, eventually going to, to Lamar. was UT the last stop? In Austin? Yeah, UT. I lived in Austin for a year. Were you living in the dorms? Uh, no, I was already because I already was like halfway. I had already had like enough credits over to, sixty hours. Yeah, yeah, so I was already halfway done, and um, <clears throat> so. I had an apartment, my first apartment. I worked at my first food service industry job to save money for my first apartment. No, this is when I lived in Beaumont. I was a car hop at Sonic. Sonic. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Amazing. That's a lot of good people come from car hopping at Sonic. It was awesome. And, you know, it was decent money. I mean, I think minimum wage back then was like five bucks an hour, 525 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... Generally, we end up with tips and everything averaging around 10 bucks an hour, mm. which is not bad for like a 17-year-old kid, you know? So at that time anyway. Were um, you 18 then when you came into Austin? Or were you 17? Uh, yeah, I was 18 then. Um, Saved up some money, get your own apartment. Yeah, I got my first apartment. Um, yeah, Austin was like home immediately. Yeah. I fell in love with it and it was so rad and like the streets were paved in granola. <laughs> and there's a guy riding a unicycle. Without and any I pants mean, on. Yeah, that is like not an exaggeration. No. I don't know how he does it. It seems like it I feel like that would really like, chafe after a while. Yeah, but. you seen the guy though, right? That just oh, wears absolutely. a speedo. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And his balls never hang out. I am so impressed with that. If well, I mean, impressed or not impressed, <laughs> it just depends on how you look at it. If you're it's, it's a size true, queen. True and true enough. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I really fell in love with Austin and, and I kind of just had this epiphany, you know, that I was spinning my wheels in college, yeah. you know, racking up student loan debt for sort of not enough dedication to the direction I was going and the and work that it was going to take. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I took a break from school and that's when I started bartending and I just never went back. Bartending in Austin? No, actually I moved to Houston for like a few months because I had a summer job lined up mm. as uh, like a mentor at one of these like gifted programs. Oh, cool. Uh, that they have for like inner city youth during the summertime at U of H. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a few months, and then when I left there, I came uh, down. Uh, actually, um, my grandmother, my nana, she had broken her ankle, bless her heart, and she ne- she needed a lot of help. Yeah. So she was staying with my folks while she was healing, and I moved back in with them for a few months help to, out. yeah, help her. You yeah, know, that's you great know, of you yeah. to do that. Well, hey, you know what? That's my nana. Yeah, yeah. She lived to be 98 years old, and she was oh, that's amazing. the best person I ever knew. Yeah. Is your mom's mom or your dad's mom? My mom's mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's piss and vinegar, as they say. She was like the 
sweetest human being as far as like if she had any judgment she would keep them to herself oh, like she would wow. not she was super christian but in like all the most beautiful ways you can think uh-huh. um and she just was lovely but hilarious <laughs> and the most amazing fried chicken you've ever had oh i can't even imagine and she we she would do this thing we are we're card players in my family uh-huh. we, we love to play cards so at holidays, we always play this uh, thing, uh, this game called Liverpool Rummy. Liverpool Rummy. And so each hand, it's like a specific rummy hand that you have to lay down. Uh, okay, okay. And when you can put that hand together, you know, then obviously you win. You, win. That, yeah, yeah, you yeah. win the round, and then you rack up all the points at the end after, I think it's like nine rounds or something. Right. And she always would do this thing, and it got to be a pattern where you could recognize it. And once I got wise to it, I would always, like, know but when she starts acting confused, <laughs> she's playing you. Yo, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> she would do that to a T. Now, what round are we on again? And once she asked it like two or three times, she, you knew she was about to lay down and oh, win the round. No. Yeah, no, the red sure. herring. You're looking over she here. She had it. Yeah. Which hand are we on again? Oh, good. And then oh, just like gosh. lay the right cards down. So my like, Nana. <laughs> exactly. My mom. So we. I think this was last holiday, last Christmas. We're playing Uno with my parents. My my fiance. I my parents. Mm-hmm. And. We're just playing. We're playing. My it's like my mom's doing really well. I'm like shit, shit, I didn't know she's so good at Uno. We played in some camp, <laughs> some campgrounds in the '90s, but then not enough to to constitute being an expert Uno player. I keep doing and keep doing the low. The light's kind of low, and I, I for some reason I have some problem differentiating colors sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out like we started watching what she was doing, and she was putting any color down, and we didn't she notice. She was playing you. She oh. was playing all of us. <laughs> she just would put whatever like. Wait a minute, that's that's not the same colors. Like, oh, I can't do that. Like, uh, she, she knew. So there, there's something that comes with maturity and wisdom awesome. that allows you to parlay that into cheating. At there games. was no, I don't think we ever got through a game without just hilariously yeah. laughing. My mom would always be in tears by the end of it, just laughing, mm-hmm. like where you can't breathe laughing. I love that. Yeah, my Nana was great. She was the sweetest, most like genteel, like lovely lady. Yeah. And if she, you know, never said a bad word about anybody, you know, and very like just loving and wonderful. And, you know, she has this beautiful story and all this and that. And she, uh, (laughs) but she, you know, she stubbed her toe. She'd let out a curse word every now and again. And her curses were always hilarious. Were they like just like no one would hear I guess them they're just old timey or, or oh, something right. but what they would you? be like phrases oh I see it wouldn't just be like you know ow I stubbed my toe and like right. let out a curse word it would be like this like phrase <laughs> is that from Hamlet what does she say <laughs> uh but yeah, she. Uh, but you came back to help, which is yeah. Obviously, so you know, you guys are really close. Helped her, and uh, and that was a great, you know. In a lot of ways, that was a really great time for me. I got to like, you know, be with my nana and like yeah. spend some really good quality time with her. And, That's so great. You know, I think. You know, as our elderly family members age, it's sort of. It's a difficult transition, you know, for yeah. them and for you. You know, they need your help, and they don't want to need your help. And, Absolutely. You know, I, it was. I thought. I think it was like we had a really beautiful connection. You know, during those months, and I, I, I feel as much as I, you know, hated working at Blockbuster Video, and as much as I, 
it was really a beautiful time in my life looking back. That's amazing. No, the blockbuster video slash Hollywood video days, those are very formative for a lot of people. I actually miss blockbuster video. I do, too. I miss video, like I videos like in general. I like perusing. And Netflix is sort of, you know, I do Netflix now, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, whatever. It's easy. It's cheaper. It is. It's, it's good in so many ways. But paralysis like, by analysis, right? Yes. Because you, if you, you only have 10 options, you're going to pick one of the 10. But if yeah. you have 10,000 options, I'm just Well, and I also paralyzed. feel like Netflix is, there's a lot of cool stuff you can't watch on Netflix, of course. And, mm. you know, whatever. You can't have everything you ever wanted all the time. But, I mean. God forbid. I right? feel like at Blockbuster Video, it was like a ritual of mine. I could just like, you know, not when I worked there. When I worked there, I didn't want to be there when you I got so many free movies a week I ran out of movies to watch yeah but um that was the perk it's like we'll pay you like crap but <laughs> it's a bunch you of get all the free movies which is where the money's going anyway you yeah I mean me. if, when you're like a you know 18 yeah. year old 17 year old kid. was there anything that you particularly like any movie that changed because I love film and I like talking about mm-hmm. that music a lot but was there any movies that you got at that point where you're like holy shit I never realized there could be something that was like this. I mean like nah you know I mean it wasn't like anything profound like no. roots or something like that but <laughs> it was like you know <laughs> roots the, <laughs> the milestone but, of filmmaking but when I worked at Blockbuster Video the movies that were coming out the new releases that were coming out oh actually this is funny this is a funny reference they uh only had one shelf of DVDs oh really DVDs were brand new man it was all VHS tapes that's still a good time crazy right yeah yeah so um uh, you know, that was when, like, movies were coming out, like Boondock Saints. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. And, um, you know. Roots. Stir of Echoes. Stir and, of you know, Echoes. It was like Kevin that. Bacon. It was, yeah. yeah, it was in that, like, oh, man, though, that, that time of movies. So there wasn't really anything, like, you know. Yeah, I don't think there was anything that, like, really. But, I mean, a lot of filler, great filler movies. And we would get to take out movies. Before they were released on DVD. Oh, nice. So whenever you guys just actually got them. So like you receive you, I think you release them on Tuesday is when all the new releases mm-hmm. come out, if I'm not mistaken. But they come in on Thursday or Friday usually. And so you, you know, then like you guys have a good weekend to it. Yeah. Do all that. And you can uh, take the movie out uh, and watch it before. The rules are you can take the movie out before it's released over that weekend, mm-hmm. you know. But... You cannot take it out once it's released in the first month that it's oh, released. Oh, gotcha. So you got to get to it before. you can't like zip up the, you know, like snatch up all the new releases. I think a lot of people undervalue the the importance of it getting a new release movie yeah. at that point. That's like great AA stuff on yeah, Friday night. Yeah, it was night, a big deal. The fact one. that like I was the first Boondock Saints fan among like all my friends. Yeah. Of course. Like, how'd you know like about that? Huge deal. Yeah. Huge deal. <laughs> No, so you kind of so you're reestablishing yourself in San Antonio, going working at Blockbuster, which is an amazing uh, thing. Actually, always. I worked at Blockbuster in Pleasanton. It was like a little oh, small really? town Blockbuster, which was hilarious, hilarious. Pleasanton, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it I, was, I just kind of lump it up. You said it's 40 miles south of San yeah, Antonio, official. Right? Yeah, I mean it's very close, and, yeah. and you know, but it's. Uh, <laughs> Is it rural? You know, I guess on a Friday night, you asked me earlier, what would you do on a Friday night? I guess a Friday night. I mean, for me, I was a big nerd, so I was probably watching a movie with my nerd boyfriend. But um, <laughs> my friends were probably at, like, a pasture party. Yeah. May or may not be a bonfire, depending if it was cold or not. 
bonfire would lots of beer? It would definitely be like really bad beer. Peace and it would probably. be like whatever beer could be piecemealed together by a bunch of kids that didn't have any money. Yeah. And one like former high school student that was still hanging around that was old enough to buy <laughs> beer. <laughs> Makes them feel better, I think. And, uh, you know, hey, most popular guy at the party, though. Uh, you know, and everybody with their like Boone's Farm and Natty Lyatt and, oh, yeah. you know. It's good times. You miss those those easier days, those simpler times where you didn't have to shake Boone's you Farm know, as a cocktail uh-huh. in a bottle. You know what? No, I mean, I guess like there, we all like, we miss parts about every past like life right. sort of phase, I guess. So I can't say I don't miss any of it for sure. I mean... But I mean, when you're when you're living it out, nothing seems simple. You look back on it; it was simple, but mm-hmm. nothing seemed simple. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel, and it's so crazy because I have more kind of cares now than I ever have, like more responsibilities now than I ever had. Like, you know, I work more hours right. and and harder than I ever have in my life. But I feel like things are a lot simpler now, and it's a perspective really? thing. Yeah, it is. The way well, the world able to take on more, it does seem simple. Well, I just think like you go through enough things in life, and you don't feel the weight of things in the same way. It's framed in a kind of bigger way, and yeah. so I think things that really would have like, you know, I guess been very difficult for me ten years ago. Now it's like, eh. <laughs> Well, it's funny once you go through, through something, <laughs> right? Like once you yeah. run that six-minute mile, yeah. it's not hard anymore. When I, and I think like to there's sort of this like point when we go through hard stuff or we're pressed, you know, that like super thin and and mm-hmm. you know you just you know whenever you go through those those difficult times like that, it's you always sort of like question like can I can I survive this? Can you know, I do is it? this yeah. You know, is am I even going to break it me? Through? Like, am I going to? Is this going to? Am I going to go crazy? Am yeah, I going to? You yeah, know, yeah. and you have these this anxiety that surrounds it. But I think the more like you get through it, and you're like, oh, okay, like I did it, and I'm and not crazy, it and again, I did it. Like, <laughs> been there, and you know, I so I think it just you know with experience, you know, frames your reality and yeah. and things that you know really would have broken me at certain points in my life. I think. And I say they would have, but they wouldn't have because they didn't when they did happen. You know, I yeah. think, I think like we are all, we all have the capacity to have resiliency. I guess. And I so think so too. I think just, so too. Scar tissue, right? Yeah. Heartbreak. Right? Just, I'm not getting heartbroken again. Well, and I mean, yeah, you will, but of course. you know, you'll <laughs> make you, but you know, you're you know, you're not gonna die. Yeah. And you know that, like, well, it's like when you lose someone, you know, when someone that you love passes away devastating it's yeah. terrible and you think i how can i survive feeling this way you know every day yeah and then it just gets easier and just like anything in life you know you you know that you know once you've gone through it once like you can see past it i guess absolutely yeah it doesn't it's not a brick wall anymore yeah like it's not there it's not unknown yeah it's an interesting thing. Not frightening. A lot of people don't realize that. Like, yeah. it's such a brilliant way to think of it is that stuff that wasn't simple <laughs> is now simple, because when your palette of experiences is such small, so much smaller, mm-hmm. it's like something new is like, oh shit, I'm stifled. I don't know how to react to this. It's overwhelming. But those things always dissipate as you yeah. get smarter and older. Well, and I mean, I, I think I looking back and I remember of all the, a lot of different times in my life when just something was like just unjust and yeah, for me unjust. that's like a very like <laughs> that's a very sort of kind of 
basic emotion that I experience. Like it, it's like really, I don't know, it's because I'm a Libra or whatever. Yeah. Whatever, if you believe in any of that bullshit. But, um, sure. you know, uh, that's, it's really like ever since I was young and, you know, of course you always grow up like, Life isn't fair, you know. Like yeah. you know, it's not fair. Unjust. And your parent tells you life thing, isn't fair. But, but like, I always get a very sort of like, like gut reaction, a really visceral reaction to things like that. And and in times of my life that I was just so upset because something was unjustly yeah. done to me or held away from me or whatever. Looking back, it's sort of you know i guess framed in an after the fact way and 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 it's just good that everything turned out the way that it did yeah and it always does it always turns out some way and i think like when you can i don't know it doesn't everything doesn't feel dire and so important when you know when you bounce back enough times i guess absolutely I mean, I was whining about real dumb shit when in my early 20s it's like oh this girl has loved me back or she broke up with me you know what now it's like i'm 35 now and it's, it's like i don't know how we're gonna do payroll this month right like that's that's yeah. an actual yeah that's a real problem to yeah. have instead of, instead of having to worry about all these things you do when you're in your early 20s late teens and things it's like what? oh what am i gonna be able to find a copy of boondock saints on friday mm-hmm. like the, yeah <laughs> not really big fucking <laughs> problems funny. at all you know it's when also too like when you have employees it's a lot like you ha- you you Put yourself to the point where, like, what what are you willing to sacrifice for your team? Right, right. You know? Are you willing to work that shift without tips because it was slow and no one made any money? Yeah. That also means you didn't make money. That's you know? right. Are you willing to, uh, you know, work that double because someone's sick and mm-hmm. they need to rest instead of come to work, you know? Because you can't just tell people to do things. You can't right. just, and expect them to be, you It's know. just an example, right? Yeah. Yeah. And... I think, you know, you also owe the consideration of what kind of money they're making. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, now what really, like, will overwhelm me is the feeling of owing people my time and efforts. It's, I see. Okay. It can be overwhelming to feel that I can't, like, keep them happy or make them happy. Like, the, is it... Is neglect the right word? Or maybe you just don't have the time to it's give them It's not neglect. It's just really like you can't really accommodate everybody all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing as a boss because you really do care about your bar family. You really want them all to be fully fulfilled and you want them to be able to, you know, go to tails. And you want them to be able, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And so, you know, it's like, you know, you bend over backwards or you work that 100-hour week or whatever so that, right. that you can give these people, you know, the vacation they need or, you know, the opportunity to go take their bar smarts or, you know, whatever. Right, and right. and it's, uh, it's Adult But you always ha- also have to tell people no. And, mm-hmm. that, and that can be difficult. I, 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 I think that what I mean to say, you know, from that long rambling explanation is really like when you're young, your scope of reference is what's happening to you. Yeah. And now as I'm older and I've got my teams that I have to worry about, Mm -hmm. my scope of reference is really more about the business and them, you know? Yeah. Not that I, I mean, I'm trying to like get back to that place of balance in my life where you know, it's like, okay, I can do yoga in the morning and actually eat today right. or <laughs> whatever. But that's, you know, I almost feel but, like that's the definition you know, of adulthood mm-hmm. is that you stop caring as much about yourself as you do other people. 
and then really yeah you you kind of you know they rely on you they look to you and you you, you know it's you know so many people that you don't want to let down yeah. Oh, yeah not just yourself so i think it's really easy to look back at to like what was so important to us in our early 20s like this person slighted me or this wasn't fair or yeah. this, this or that and looking back that all just seems much easier sure and I feel like I wouldn't care as much now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You just let stuff go because you can't prioritize everything in the same way anymore, you know? But if so, I feel like, though, if something like that happened to, you know, one of my Children, crewmates, more or less, you yeah. know, one of my, one, of my, uh, one of my crew that I would react, I would, you know, have that same reaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so strange. It's, it's so cool because that is how it transitions. That is how it enlarges and you, you become compassionate. <clears throat> towards people so when did you make that shift to hospitality full-time you know what I (laughs) I bar started bartending when I was 20 and Mm -hmm. I've been doing it full-time since then I was just tired of making minimum wage at blockbuster video (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't know what I was gonna do before I went back to school you Mm -hmm. know I almost joined the army no kidding yeah but you, you went back to school so you why well, I, I always planned to, and I just never oh did. oh right yeah right. I fell in love with the dot, dot, uh, dot. what I was doing yeah. yeah, and I think because I you know I was really interested in like linguistics and and mm-hmm. going into that, but I also didn't want to be in the military for an entire career, and I was just trying to get my college paid for right all the wrong it's like yeah. gold digging in a sense and so I didn't you know I didn't follow through, but you know it was definitely you know you get approached by a recruiter they zip you in you take your ASVAB. I got like a 99 on my ASVAB, so it was, wow. uh, you know, one of those things where it's like, oh, you're going to come in with rank because you have college, you got pay, like this, this, and that. So they definitely made it look really attractive. But when it came down to it, I wa- you know, it just wasn't. For some reason, even to me, like as someone that's just kind of getting to know you, yeah. it seems like an interesting play, but not really congruent with what I'm sensing. No, it, when the, it wasn't. I was feeling like lost and desperate. I'm not in college. I need to like find a way to make my mom proud of me again. You know, not that she ever (laughs) wasn't, but you know what I mean? You have this, you feel this pressure. I feel like we all like do so much in our lives. At least I guess if you're blessed with a wonderful mom like me, Mm. Uh, you know, all you want to do in life is to make your mom proud of you. Sure. And like so much of like... (laughs) The consideration of anything that happens to me, anytime anything good happens to me, it's yeah. like, ooh, I'm gonna tell my mom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't mama be proud? <laughs> but, you know, when it came down to it, I knew that, you know, joining the military to pay for my college wasn't really the path that was gonna work out best for me. And that's a great avenue for some uh, young people coming up. You know, they might not have opportunities in front of them, but it just wasn't something that was going to work for me and yeah. and you know and and so I'm glad I didn't you know make that commitment um you know you know for my own personal thing although coming from my dad who's retired navy mm-hmm. uh, and he was a seal and went to Vietnam three times wow. and, you know all of that yeah he's like a warrior so that is amazing um you know see you know I have a, an immense amount of respect for the military and and you know 
but I but I knew I just knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, so what did you do then? I started that? bartending after yeah. that. I went to bartending school. Really, one eight hundred bartending. Which yeah yeah no you get the, the red commercial. snapper kamikaze uh-huh. Long Island yeah. iced tea right right Russian fuzzy navel the whole the whole shebang yeah I, did, I learned all those drinks. How many how often and, do people order them now? Uh well you know what I mean I've been bartending a really long time so, mm. I mean. They were, I mean, in bartending school, we were learning recipes like the pink squirrel with creme de noya. I don't even know what that is. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no one has that. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> now they do. Now yeah. that now it's back with the really? cocktail. You go into some fancy bars and they actually do have creme de noya. Creme de almond, oh, essentially. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, things like that, like golden Cadillacs and whatnot. And wow. it's so funny because Speed Rack this year on our spec sheet, one of the drinks was a golden Cadillac. So I got a good chuckle. That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> It never leaves Those, like, you. Those old like cream drinks served up, uh-huh. you know? That's great. But um, How, but did you enjoy bartending school? You know what? It was very, because I mean, now, like I said, I started bartending when I was 20. So yeah. I didn't have any bar experience at all. Mm-hmm. And I never worked in a bar or restaurant. I had, you know, Sonic, but that's yeah. not really the that's same. That's mixology <laughs> on a very molecular level. It actually really, it really is. is. Like you make the drinks and you can get like any combination that's of right. things. That's yeah. right, and one of the perks about working at Sonic is you get as much free like shakes and slushies and oh, whatever like man, limeades really? that you want. Yeah, that's amazing. So you can just like yeah. So every day I was like, ooh, peanut butter, pineapple, <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And just making like milkshakes. See, you were going to be that. brilliant at, at cocktailology. Hey, I hadn't really beginning. like thought about it, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> indeed. I guess I Sonic. I guess it's in my it's I was made for it. So. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but um, you know, so I went to bartending school thinking like, okay, this is legit. Like, this is bartending school, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a two week thing. You know, you mm-hmm. go for like a few hours a day for two weeks. So naturally, this is why when you say bartending school, people like roll their eyes. And when young bartenders ask old bartenders like, should I go to bartending school? They're like, no, just start as a cocktail waitress or mm-hmm. start as a bar back and like yada yada. So I will say that being the age that I was, the level of experience that I did not have, um, I certainly benefited from going to bartending school. And it was awesome. It was super fun. Um, The guy who taught it was a great old school bartender, you know, Um, and he'd been, you know, looking back all these drinks that are coming back into fashion. He was bartending back when those drinks were initially in fashion, you know, so... It's really kind of one of those things. Um, in the kitchen? Uh, Cucina? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, um, <coughs> he, uh, so, you know, and so it was great. He would tell us about, like, you know, bartending on cruise ships and things like That's that. So and cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, there's something, like, mysterious about it at that age, too. It's like, oh, it's on a cruise ship. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and, and he was just a real cool guy. But, you know, let me list some of the valuable things that I learned from bartending school. Mm-hmm. Free pouring. Oh, that's actually quite We helpful. could talk about free pouring for a long time. I have a very strong, strong, strong opinion on free pouring. Yeah, for it um, or against it. Uh, I, for the validation of it in yeah. the current bartending climate gotcha. that we work in. Um. Free pouring as a skill, absolutely. 
one hundred percent learned through bartending school, and it was a, it, an extremely valuable skill. Also, that leads to bartending with two hands. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hardest things to train people is how to have both hands moving and to not be idle. Gotcha. Yeah. At all, always like you're always moving. so. Like when you look at like Tobin Ellis's bar unit that he did with Perlick, a Perlick, mm-hmm. I believe it's a Perlick unit. Um, I immediately noticed there's two these two little metal things at the bottom. One's blue and one's red, and uh-huh. I messed. Those hot and cold water foot pedals. It's the most brilliant thing oh, I've ever wow. seen. So you, it's so like you literally never have to band, stop right? having something in your hand. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's what she said. So, <laughs> um, you know, so that you know the two-handed bartending thing. One of the requirements to get like your certification at bartending school is mm-hmm. a timed round. You have no to be kidding. fast. You have to make like 12 drinks in seven minutes or something like that. Wow. So it's not like. It's not like that that antiquated. Yeah. It's and I mean, they're like Long Island iced teas and things like that. I mean, they're drink drinks. They're yeah. not like rum and Coke or whatnot. So, mm-hmm. you know, then they're in there and very specifically ordered in rounds of four. So you have to remember oh, all the, wow. the drinks as they're ordered. You yeah. know, you get points if. Taking off if you have to ask them to repeat the drink back to you, you know, uh, things like that. And um, so, I mean, definitely. uh, So it it teaches you how to bartend with both hands Mm. and to free pour being, you know, which is definitely like efficient, speed, accuracy, all these amazing things that it teaches you on a certain basic level. Of course, they teach you recipes. Yeah. Some great, some Some not not so great. great, But I could certainly make a red snapper, snapper, kamikaze, Long Island iced tea <laughs> after I got out of but that that's good. That's class, cool. and that was what people were ordering then anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I found it to be, and just the concept of, like, your sweetener, your, you know, your modifier being, uh-huh. you know, the the ratio being, you know, half to the base spirit. The, right, right. All that stuff, the, the formulaic stuff about bartending. Still help, yeah, and all that helpful. stuff, uh, you know, I learned in bartending school. And then just... The, the you know the the knowledge and skill grew as I as I just got my ass kicked behind the bar for the next you know however many years back then bars were so busy yeah. all the time it seemed like is it and is that one of those things going back to when we said that things seem more overwhelming when you haven't experienced it before is it maybe that you've uh, been through the ranks for so long and dealt with it so many times that it's not a thing anymore no really I feel like the drinking culture of like the early aughts. You know, the early 2000s was very much, at least locally, yeah, uh, quantity-based. Really? Yeah. Toss it down. Yeah. Martini bars. I mean, the, you know, now we talk about wash lines, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you want to have a beautiful wash line on your drink. You don't want it, like, sloppy and sloshing around. Right, you know? right. And so, as oh. a matter of fact, I might have won speed rack this year if I hadn't had a sloppy wash line. I Damn it. So. No, no, no regrets, though, right? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I can't say regrets. Madeline did awesome. She did great. Yeah. I, I did great too. Honestly, I have stage fright, like really bad stage fright. Do you? Uh, people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that about me. But it's like crippling. But in, where in, I would, like freeze up and I can't think. I can't remember. In things. any context, like in both. Just at in all. Service. Just okay. Okay. Even when I first started bartending. You know, obviously, like, you know, like, when people walk up to your bar right. that they, um, you know, you want them to be there. The more people that are there, the more money you make. But it would just really terrify me. And I really? Would, I, in my head, I would be thinking, like, crap, I have to go talk to them now. You yeah. Know? Okay, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Um, <laughs> okay. 
how are you? Of course, you're gonna ask them how they're doing. Yeah. Okay. What can I get for you? You know, just like the basic Jeez. like. So do you have a script interaction? That you go by? Or is um, it now a little bit looser? It it, it was it would vary. I but I did have a script that I would work off of. Wow. Not anything that I like. You know, put pen to paper or anything. Yeah. Obviously like that. But but it was definitely like I had my questions. I would ask. Are you local? Or are you visiting? Mm. What brings you in tonight? You know, all those right. questions. And you, I still ask the same questions. The nice pool but, of can, candy But questions. now, you know, as you become, as I became comfortable behind the bar and started seeing guests as like not the enemy, you know, right. <laughs> because yeah. you build relationships with them and you, you know, you are, are actually happy to see them and you right. do, you know. And so, you know, working at, at a dive bar and you're building your regulars up and, you know, you know, those conversations uh, you know, eventually become very sincere, and then mm. eventually after that, they became sincere, even if you were a stranger. You yeah, know? that's so amazing. It just happens, but still, though, like doing speed rack. The first year I did speed rack, I was going to free pour because I felt like it was an edge that I had that yeah. would put me in like a better. You know, it was a skill that I particularly had, and it's like you still look good in a bikini because you're in your twenties, but I can free pour because I'm in my thirties, so <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> I got gray beard now so. in your face. <laughs> so that was like, that was my edge. So uh, I mentioned that I was going to free pour and you know, it was like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. And the qualifying, of course. Yeah. Free pour. It's just about speed. And I'm like, no, no. I mean like I'm going to free pour That's your, the competition. Wow. Yeah. And they're like, Ooh, <laughs> well, you know, and I, and I, so I decided at the last minute to jigger pour. I was kind of new in craft too, and I was really like wanting to make a good impression. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want them to think I was like Hack City getting up there, like s just slanging a bunch of crap right. into tins with no like rhyme or reason. And I was really intimidated too because I'm this like, I've been bartending a long time. Mm -hmm. What year was this, by the way? This was in 2013. Uh, okay, a couple years ago. Yeah. Thir it was the first year I did speed rack, so maybe it was 12. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. 12 or 13. Yeah, 12, I guess. Yeah. Well, how did it go? Well, it was terrible. It was terrible. J using the jigger. I was being judged by, like, Sasha Petrosky, Jimmy oh, Reiner, um, Jason Cosmos. I think Chris Bostic was there. Anyway, yeah. I don't, not to get too specific, but my round, like, a Clover Club uh -huh. exploded on me in oh, front of no. Julie Reiner, the owner yeah, of Clover Club. Club. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just went horribly. That is pretty beautiful, though. That's very, very ironic. She Which, remembers, too. <laughs> does she really? Yeah, this is funny. I have, like, this whole... I could write a book about, like, all these, like, fantastic speed rack experiences of hilarity, failure, uh. and success. <laughs> <laughs> hilarity, failure, and success. The story of speed rack. But exactly. But, um, and I think like once I like learned to not take myself too seriously, it got easier. Yeah. Um, but at that age, I mean, I was new to craft and I really wanted them to see how great of a bartender I was, mm -hmm. even if I was only starting to get good at right. doing craft, you know. Do you and care as much now, you think? I or still want them to see that, but also I know like I just can do what I can do, you know, yeah. and I don't feel that sort of weight of. I'm going to mess everything up. Yeah. You know? Because you're s relatively established now, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I always, like, tell, like, my young, you know, people coming up, Killian, Killian Oliver, she calls them her Padawans. Her Padawans. <laughs> but I always tell them coming up, like, you know, anything that you expect to get out is 
you have to be able to put that much in. Yeah. At least. And so I put in a lot. But uh, yeah, no, my hands were shaking so bad. I was trying to jigger and I couldn't get the liquid into the jigger into the cup. I mean, it was just sloshing out both sides. It was going everywhere. And at that point, I realized like if I would have free poured, at least it would have been balanced. Even if if the the corners were up. At least I could get that tiny pour spout opening into the jigger yeah. rather than like my shaking head. I think my round time was over five minutes. Oh, wow. I mean, it was bad, it was real bad. bad. But it was also like I knew I could do better, so I wanted to go again, you know. Yeah, that's great. And then, and then I won. This, this year, <laughs> what did it, not that it I matters, won the year after that. The, oh, no so one you won in 13? That. Was that 13 I won 14? in, okay, so it must have been 13. I won in 14. Oh, cool. 15, Zulk. Go one, and then the one we just had, I, I almost won. Four oh, seconds. Man. Four seconds. Four seconds. Yeah, it gets fierce at that point. That level of competition. It was so much fun, though, honestly. Yeah. I just wanted to play one more time. It's mm. my last year, and I don't want to get too emotional. But uh, Is it a last year because you, is it eligibility thing? Is it? Oh, no, no, no. I could. I, always, I used to joke, like, I'm going to do it till I win nationals, you know? Yeah. But, um... I, I, like I said, I don't want to get too emotional. Nice. It's like, it's sad. It's like that's, the way that speed rack feels doing it is, and mm. it's wonderful. It's like terrifying, like riding a roller coaster oh, and you're really? like, you know, climbing that, the, the first like right. steep rise, you know, and then you go over the edge and you feel like you're going to die. Like, you <laughs> legit like feel like you're going to die. Yeah. And, uh, and then like it's all over and you just want to go again. And that's, that's that what speed high, rack right? feels like, yeah. you know? You just want to go again. And uh, so I love speed rack. It has propelled me in beautiful directions. The network of people that I've been exposed to and met has been incredible and inspiring and supportive and really just, it, it just puts you on this platform, you yeah. know? And um, I feel like and I was really iffy about even signing up this year, applying mm-hmm. this year, because for the same reasons, really. But it was in my home city, so I went ahead and did it because, you know, yeah, coming full circle. My, I wanted to rep my home city, you know. Home gig. Yeah, and it. before this year, I feel like I blew it for the whole town because before this year, the last three years, it's been a San Antonio girl that's won. Oh, man, really? I know. I was so close. I blew it, San Antonio. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> Maybe I won wild card. We'll see. That would be great. <laughs> Maybe that's the story Maybe isn't I'll over. Win. Maybe I will go until I see? win nationals, huh? That's. I mean, <laughs> there's there's many a sports drama that have oh, occurred yikes. this way. I'm gonna get the slow clapper like Rudy. That's all. I want. <laughs> so. Rudy of <laughs> speed rap. Now that is a brilliant metaphor. <laughs> well, uh, when did you? When did but, you? But uh, you know, I feel like if I go, if I. I feel like to keep competing is really selfish. Really? And it's someone else's turn to ride that roller coaster. Yeah. And if I'm taking, if they called me and they're like, hey, we're short a person, will you do it? I would do it again, absolutely. It's sure. incredibly fun and it's amazing. But I, I feel like if I'm taking a spot away from a young girl whose career can be propelled in that direction and mm-hmm. they can experience the inspiration and then the network and tight-knit support, you know, that, that we all have, you know, gotten from it, Mm-hmm. That it's not right, you know. I it's time for me to give my spot up to someone who was, who needs it, you know, who could use it and benefit from it. I've gotten all that I can get out of doing speed rack. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. selflessness. No, I don't think it's selfless. I think it just is sort of 
at some point it would become obnoxious. Obnoxious. And Ob- very narcissistic. Yeah. It's so much fun to do it. And I, you know, and I, I, you know, whether I, I never expect to win. I'm always shocked. I'm shocked that I did win as far this year. I didn't think I was going to make it out of the quarterfinals. I had to go against Janessa Flowers, who mm-hmm. is my lead at Barbaro. Oh, wow. And of course, we had to go against each other, right? Yeah. Dramatic. It's like, a and cinematic. I thought, yeah, I thought for sure she was going to knock me out for sure. Um, but it went my way. You know, that round went my way. And it's round by round, you know, you yeah. make one mistake. That's it, you know, like me, one one deduction away from winning. If I would have gotten one less penalty, I would have oh. uh, won. And but that's the way that it is, you know. And and, and you know, I, I I'm glad I'm. I guess the fact that it was that close is it feels better than if it was like not as close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it lies down to those just yeah. nose to nose moments, you know, where you just miss out on a job, or you just miss out on meeting somebody, or being at an event you know all these things but it all works out oh it's obviously oh yeah well and i mean i would still volunteer with them or if they needed you know when i win if if i happen to win wild card and nationals maybe i could judge yeah no i'm kidding (laughs) i'd be a bad judge i'd be like these are all so delicious (laughs) you guys are great something for everyone we all win i think this one's a little tart but some people like that The over diplomacy. I know. I don't think the, I would be a very yeah. good judge. I think I would be like nice. Yeah. Too nice. When did you get hooked up with this restaurant group? Is that a fair way so to put it? So this is, that's actually pertinent because uh, I interviewed with Chad the day before I won Speed Rat. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In oh, man. That's 14. Yeah. So it's been about two years I've been with the company. Mm-hmm. Almost like exactly like to the no kidding to the see this is Sarah this is coincidental <laughs> yeah so um yeah it was uh I I got in our interview with Chad the night before speed rack and um that day he called me uh, after I won speed rack Jarrett Pena handed me the phone and he's like it's Chad he wants to talk to you <laughs> and he was just like great job you know we'll talk next week like yeah, yada, yeah. Yada. and i mean i had the job i don't think i had the job because i won speed rack but you know no but it doesn't uh, hurt. but it just was it's like a you know to have. Uh, and what it would so how many restaurants total now you mentioned there's a concept coming up which, yeah so right now there's three sorry i originally interviewed for for hot joy but after seeing my sort of you know the importance that i place on hospitality mm-hmm. and you know kind of really caring about your guests he felt like I would be a better fit at Barbaro, oh, okay. which was really wonderful because it's this little program. Mm-hmm. It's this little bar, and they didn't really have much of a program going on there. They had a cocktail menu with a couple of right, right. drinks and some wines and, and beers. He's really into like the craft beer, and mm-hmm. now they've expanded their wine selection. have some really cool, funky stuff, but um, the bar, he basically was like, you know, do what you want to do, just Proved to me you can make money doing it. That's and so um, Were you, had you had that kind of job before, like being in charge like that? I guess. If that's so I'd been a bar manager for a long, long, oh, long okay. time, but I had been passed over for a couple of jobs to like direct my own cocktail program. Mm. Um, over the past uh, couple of years that I'd been working in, maybe over just the past year prior yeah. to that, and it was hard. It was hard to think like I'm good enough to be the manager that you trust to make sure everything's clean and make sure the money's right. Right but you don't think of me as being like a creative contributor. Yeah. So it was really awesome. And I think the only drink menu that Chad ever tasted 
was the first one that I put out. Just to make sure. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, all right, you got it. Go ahead. And now he doesn't. He doesn't. That's care. amazing. As long as my costs are right and everything, yeah. everyone's happy. And so it's Hot Joy, Barbaro. So Hot Joy, Barbaro, and we're doing Tekka. I was at the Tekka. Mani for a little while uh-huh. um, when they were still open, um, just kind of helping them out a little, um, yeah. uh, trying to sort of establish something there. Um, but when I took over Hot Joy, Kara went over there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, now we're working on Tekka and well I call it Tekka because it used to be the Tekka Molina spot it won't be called that it's a it's a taqueria that we'll be doing on the St. Mary's Strip and it's uh, it's gonna be really nice nice patio yeah good stuff cocktails are more single pour neat stuff um we'll do definitely do cocktails but I want to focus on not like margaritas yeah I kind of don't really want there to be I mean, it's fine to, like, have a nice back bar of mezcals and things like that, but mm-hmm. I don't want to make, like, an agave-centric cocktail menu. I kind of want to use a lot of... Um, because, you know, it's not going to be, like... You know, it's a it's a Chad Carey taqueria. It's not going right. to be, like, you know, like your local taqueria where you get, like, your favorite Carnegie style. Like, yeah, it's right, going to be right. delicious food, of course, but it's, I'm sure they're going to put their spins on it of, you know, funkiness and, yeah. you know, technique. But uh, so I kind of want to kind of steer away from a little bit of the traditional and do some batidas mm, okay. with cachaca oh, and yeah. uh, kind of, you know, get rummy. Rummy. <laughs> cachaca and some. And Havana Club will be available soon. So Yeah, maybe some Pisco's, yeah. Pisco drinks. When are you guys aiming to open? Uh, oof, you know how that goes. I know. Like the money pit, two weeks, two weeks. Got two it. Weeks, two weeks. No, it'll be a few months, I believe. They're so. they're they're doing construction now. But you'll I still haven't, be. I haven't gotten in behind the bar yet at all. Oh, gotcha. To like okay. look at the space. But you're overseeing I mean, I've that one at, as yeah, well. But, I mean, I haven't gotten like th- it's not built up enough to where I can get right, in and start. Right. You know, being functional, yeah, getting getting the layout and equipment and all that. Yeah. So. so you're celebrating two years. Yeah. You were second place in potential wild card. Speed rack. We'll see. We're gonna rally. We'll maybe, see. maybe. Well, I can help the rally, voting's but. closed, but there's oh, a it is judges closed. component. So, the, oh, okay. So okay. I, f- I ended the voting. The voting ended. I was 13 points behind Elise Blackman oh. out of Houston, and she's great and she's super popular. But also, she <laughs> works at uh Fox Captain Fox Heart. Oh yeah, yeah. Just they have the chalkboard back bar, you know. Uh huh. And so they, she was lobbying for uh the votes from from her job, which is great. Yeah. And uh, you know. Good for her that she was able to do that. Mm-hmm. I was not able to do that <laughs> during the week of SACC. But, uh, you know, so just like, you know. She pulled ahead. She She's did. So she good. pulled ahead at the end. And, um, you know, good for her. Uh, there's a judges component. Mm-hmm. So the judges will pick whoever they think deserves the wild card. Yeah. And then they that person will get half again their votes. So Amazing. I finished with, I think, 304 votes, something like that. Yeah. So... If I just so happen to get the judge's choice, and I mean, there's no way to, you know, know who they're going to pick, really. Then I'll get, you know, another 152 votes. There we go. That'll put me in the lead. But but it was a good race. Elise and I were neck and neck. I mean, like, she would be, like, two votes ahead, and then I would be three votes ahead, and then she would be, like, seven votes ahead, and then I would be, like, a vote ahead of that, and then... It went back and forth the whole time. We were, we were neck and neck between first and second place the whole yeah. time. So it was a good race either I'm way. Sh- I'm sure it'll, it I'm sure a it'll good work race. out. And, I, and I'm really blessed that um, 
you know the that, that you know so many people voted for me like what a what an honor the, yeah. the first year i lost speed rack i won the wild card that year oh no kidding yeah then it was all just votes um and so i just lobbied 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 for tons of votes mm. uh, with my facebook friends and obnoxiously sent out group text and yeah. facebook messages and well, it seems like everybody's rallying for you you wow, are that's sweet because you, you were you're is it are you president of the USBG? No, I am not. I actually, that's, uh, I joined USBG when we didn't have a San Antonio chapter. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, like, get involved, and so I went to, it was actually at Speed Rack where Jessica Sanders was like, hey, like, you, if you like to compete, you should really get involved in USBG. Mm-hmm. We have this competition come up, and as long as you enter by this date, you can you know, apply for it. Um, and it was the Bombay Sapphire Most Imaginative. Right, right. And I got chosen as a finalist that year, but I literally joined USBG so that I could have access to the seminars oh, and the con- yeah, competitions yeah. and stuff. And so I would just go up to Austin whenever I could mm-hmm. to the things. And I I don't even know if there were any other San Antonio members of USBG at that time or not, but they were not active in the, in the Central Texas chapter, which right, was really okay. the Austin chapter. And so... We, you know, I, I always was like, well, you know, why doesn't San Antonio have its own chapter? And, mm-hmm. you know, we can't really, it's hard for us to take a whole day off work. So yeah, can oh we yeah. do this? And then, you know, you're drinking, you got to drive back. I'm like, you know, maybe trying to think, like, is there, are there brands we can set up, like, a bus that takes us up there, mm-hmm. you know, for some of these events? That, right, You right. know, brands that have a little more money or whatnot. And so I was kind of always, like, at the beginning of talking about, getting the USBG chapter in San Antonio, mm-hmm. or at least the events like more accessible. Like, okay, if we're sharing a Central Texas chapter, can we have some of the events in San Antonio at least? Right, right. Things like that. And, you know, eventually like with the the sponsorship actually of uh, Houston, and I think Austin helped, uh, you know, helped us as well. Like Houston um, paid for like, we paid for like half of the memberships. Oh, and the really? membership drive. Oh, that's like, great. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's been a very supportive community now that we've gotten our own chapter. But I've been so busy since we, I haven't been able. So it's like I was the one that was like, "We need our own chapter," <laughs> and then I like haven't been to like any events. Yeah, any, you know, she didn't even care. I know they're like, "What a jerk!" She's too cool about USBG. I know. So I'm 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 hoping to get more active, but honestly, I don't have time to be like an office holder at this point. Yeah. Once you know, I'm behind the bar pretty much still full time. Yeah. On top of like being full-time admin so it's it's like i said 60 to 80 hours a week is a normal week for me and so when you you know uh, once i once i once my the you know the purview of my job doesn't involve so much time behind the bar Mm -hmm. which is like a sad kind of a thing for me it's a little bit bittersweet yeah um then you know i'll probably have more time to do things like that i imagine well, it seems like Which you're I doing <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that it's you're working a, behind these three spots. The it's new Tuckery that's opening up. It's fun. So it's been a good, good run. You've it's great. It. I, yeah. I feel like I get to make people happy for a living. That's the best job in the world. It's not bad being behind the bar, and that's why I think it's so bittersweet to like consider not bartending full time anymore. Yeah, that's what you love, you know. Mm. The hard part is when you like, you know, have to tell someone they can't get the day off because you don't have coverage and they right. start crying or like you know when you you know that's the hard part you know when you have someone come to you and telling you they're not making enough money that's the hard part yeah you know that's what you really carry and so i think you know 
as easier as my job will get hours, I think it'll probably just harder. get harder yeah, <laughs> when harder it comes to like, because, you know, I don't know, being overwhelmingly busy doesn't like wrench your guts out, like having mm. someone that you have to worry somebody. about. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, hopefully like, I always just try to like let people on my team, you know, know that I appreciate them. Yeah. Because I really do. It's, I've, I'm, sh- I'm shocked at how many employees I've gone through and and it makes me feel almost sometimes a failure a little bit because it's you, like you know? if I can't make them be a good employee then maybe I'm a bad boss yeah but that's it's you know that it's, but it just you don't is have that much is. control over it yeah. it just is what it is especially and in this industry so much turnover yeah for sure and, so. and not everybody has the same vision you do or whatever right but it's the it, same uh, maturity you know, right you, but you you know you invest you know energy and money into people's potential and so I, I, I just always try to let people, you know, know that when they're doing a good job and, you know, that I that I appreciate them. Yeah. And hopefully uh, those grueling hours of prep, you know, it carries them through. It will. <laughs> it absolutely will. And so thank you so much for, for meeting me in San Antonio. Of course. Letting us sit here and kind of chat in hot joy before everything, before the frenzy hits here at yeah. 3 o'clock and sharing the Racia, Racia with me. is a beautiful spirit. I'm so glad we were able to have this chat yes, finally. Thank you. And, I know. Uh, I'll be back to San Antonio. We'll certainly have to awesome. go grab a drink. Yeah, so. definitely. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Yeah, thank you. So, what do you guys think? Elizabeth has lived an interesting life, I would say. She's been touched by the industry, whether it is at Barbara, Monterey, or through Speed Rack. She's had a really decorated career, and I have a feeling it's really just in one of the earlier chapters. There's so many more things to conquer, so many more things to explore. And as San Antonio keeps expanding and the culinary slash cocktail scene keeps expanding and growing and exploding, I know that Elizabeth will be at the forefront of taste, the forefront of creativity, and always serving a great drink. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter which mosquito keeps flying around your microphone that you would like to smash to bits, no matter how much you're enjoying that Oro Kenyo by Del McGay, please keep dancing.